You're listening to the Rad Podcast. Explore wealth. Different model, a different way, different way of doing business. Mm-hmm. Parts of the country, twenty four seven, seven days a week. I was just done with the gurus. If somebody gives me thirty to fifty thousand dollars, that should be a lifetime relationship for Podcast Nation. Because if you give me that kind of money, I have an obligation, in my opinion, a responsibility to see you succeed. So one of the things we went through fairly quickly yesterday is the expectations as an inner circle member. What you guys should expect, what you guys should see. And so I wanted to just kind of rerun through this just for a mental standpoint of some of the changes that we made. Now, it's interesting because Eric Wilner, you know, has been one of our real estate coaches for a long time and I have a just crazy, insane respect for him. And some people ask me, well, why is Eric not doing the coaching or mentoring calls anymore? For you know, new inner circle members, it doesn't matter as much. Eric's one of my favorite people in the world, but Eric's not an internal team member or internal employee to the company. And I just, we've gotten to a point where I just don't think anyone knows more about residential real estate and negotiations and offerings and marketings than Dory. But I'll tell you, if I had to put someone, you know, toe to toe, head to head with him, it would be Eric. But at the same time, Dory's doing it our way and Dory's in, in our internal systems. And so I'm actually working on an education program with Eric to help him build out what we're going to be launching um, in 2023, which would be Rad University. And so it'll be a step-by-step process. I'd like to get it done sooner. Like we launched the Survivalist Project three, four months sooner than what was planned. But that's something we're going to be moving forward on. We're working on curriculum writers and we're working on other avenues to be able to have for Rad University to have that wealth education, have that real estate education. So, and I've also decided to go ahead and start doing a mentorship call every month myself. The things that are going on as we're growing in the business, I know I do the update calls and you guys are used to those and we go through updates and we go through properties and we go through deals. But I think there's more when it comes to leadership. I think there's more when it comes to mentorship. I think there's more when it comes to day-to-day aspect of being a real estate investor and being a real estate entrepreneur. And, and so for those of you, you know, who are on that level, we're going to be doing that. And then Dory is just a flat-out giver. And I don't know that anyone in who's been, who's been on an auction trip or a revolution trip with Dory, raise your hands. I don't know that anyone can provide you with better information, better knowledge, better step-by-step, better just day-to-day of what's going on. And so you know, I'm really excited for him to do those trainings. Some of you already jumped on the trainings with him, which is great. Then we're going to do the group update call every single month. Now, sometimes we do more than one group update call. Like in January, we did more than one group update call because we released deals twice in the month of January. But we'll do those updates. And that's just talking to you about the projects and things that are going on. Um, If things are shifting in the marketplace and we're going to be shifting how we're doing things, if lending has changed, if I see inflation change, if they increase interest rates, all of the different things as we do our first home builds from scratch and I'll jump on and I'll update you guys and share with you guys how those first home builds go. As we invest into the metaverse, I'll share with you guys how that's going. As we invest into crypto, I'll share with you how that's going. Just so you have an idea of all of the different things that we're doing, keeping you updated. Um, The partnership list, it is a monthly list. Will we do more than 12 lists in 2021? The answer is obviously yes, but the expectation should be once a month. 
And if we do it more than once a month, that's just because our team is doing a really good job of processing the deals, processing the list, processing everything. But only once a month should you have that expectation. I know you guys are constantly saying, when's the next list, when's the next list, when's the next list? And so what I'd like to do is just establish you know, a date every month that you should expect. The last Thursday of every month you should expect a property list phone call where we're going through property lists. If we do another one earlier in the month, that's just a bonus treat. That's a bonus call. That's an extra, extra set of deals. Um, the reason I want to also kind of keep it to once a month is I think I'm getting more and more into the realization of as an inner circle member, you guys really want kind of your deals custom walked through, custom picked, custom, custom chosen. And uh, so I think if we have lists of deals twice a month and we take one of those and we really are working on the people who need a little more hand-holding, a little more time, especially in the beginning, right? And a little more time, a little more hand-holding. So we'll take that initial list and we'll do that a little bit more one-on-one, a little more individualized. And then, then once a month we'll put out you know, a broadcast list um, as well to the group, and then that keeps us with a good kind of dual rhythm with it. Um, do you guys like that plan? Yes. Does that make sense to you? Okay, good. And, and so I, I've seen a few people either with breakfast comas or Sunday comas, so I was just making sure we were on, this, on the same page. Um, the Vannies, I'm going to slide you guys up here in a, in a few minutes, and the only reason is is because in a little bit, Lee's going to come up and speak, and we're going to record a really great video uh, of Lee doing it, and I just want to have it full in here for, for him when, when he speaks, but just, just giving you that heads up. So the next thing on the list is the monthly updates in Appfolio. So I get that we went through Appfolio in like 3.2 seconds. Anybody agree with that, right? So it was a little too fast, obviously. So a lot of you have been sent your logins. Um, Molly obviously was working on everyone who was here at the retreat to send them their logins before they got here. What I'm going to do is I'm going to schedule a Zoom call so we can do a, a proper rollout and do a training with all of you, right? And my, you know, poor, poor brother Brent, right? He's like, well, when you guys roll things out, you should roll it out to 10 inner circle members and they should go through it and then we should troubleshoot their problems and they should roll it out. And he's right. And we're also in that crazy chaos fire, right? And what I mean by chaos fire is sometimes, just get used to this a little bit. Sometimes I'm going to throw things at you all um, because if I wait, then I'm waiting, and then, and then I'm waiting. And, and, I, and it's not even about at Folio. It's just in my life, I'm trying to destroy time lag so often and time lapse so often. And it's probably better to roll it out the correct way. And at the same time, I just want you guys to have it. So do your due diligence. Um, Leah's going to be very well trained on it, but we'll do a Zoom call. So I'm going to say this. Until we do the Zoom call, I would hold off on an extraordinary push right, for questions about it and stuff, because I'll, I'll talk with Molly, and I'll see if she can do the Zoom call as early as this week on Thursday for all of you. If she's not prepped and ready to be able to do it this Thursday, then, then it'll definitely happen the next week. I want to just give, give her respect of time. I haven't had a chance to discuss it with her yet. Um, investment updates. This is really great. Um, you're going to be able to get them through at Folio. You know the one phone number, the one email address for your investment updates. Um, just stick to it. And, and don't get butthurt if we tell you not to use Kenny or not to use Amy or not to use Dutch or not to use a non-traditional system. Don't call Gretchen and ask for updates on your deals, right? The single worst person you can call in this company to ask for updates on your deals is Gretchen. Why? Because Gretchen has 3,000 investors that she's got to manage and handle. 
you know, she's director of investor relations, and that's the role she's, you know, uh, gone through the evolution with us as a company. And, and, then, and then she's in pain, right? When you guys ask her and she wants to get you answers, and she's handling her entire team of investor relations. And I know you guys are very used to that, that dynamic relationship with her, but Leah is here, right? And Leah, as Leah's team grows with, with more inner circle support team members for all of you, you know, it, it, it's just so critical and so important. I just want to reiterate that to all of you. It's just that process. And that process, I'm being firm on it because if I'm firm on it, then you guys are, are, are being trained the way I need you to be trained to be successful. And, and the reality is, is if you're getting, not getting answers, it has to become up to a point where it's your fault and not ours, right? And I mean that in a, in a positive way, like I just want it to be in your hands. And I want you to be able to get your answers, whether it's through Appfolio or from Leah or from the monthly updates. Now, what to expect from your monthly updates? You should expect an Excel spreadsheet as a part of your monthly updates going forward. And so our accounting team is constantly updating, constantly putting together numbers constantly putting together and for some of you it's fairly easy in the in the beginning with an excel spreadsheet for someone you know like alberto or jeff who've done a dozen deals or kevin or eric right who've been here a long time it starts to get more and more or mark right it starts to get more and more complicated but because they're just adding pieces step by step it, it we're getting to a point where we're getting better and good enough at it where we can keep those updates so you, you should get, be able to get a verbal update, right, about your deal. So if the process is in rehab and it's going to tell you what phase of the rehab it's in and or if there's any challenges with the rehab, you know, you should be able to get that written update. And then on top of that, you should be able to get the Excel spreadsheet once a month. And those should be coming directly from an email, I believe, directly from Appfolio. And so we'll be sending all of that directly out and my team's shaking their head yes. So I am correct in my understanding of how those updates are going to be coming to you. Make sure, as Inner Circle members, you do not opt out. That is something that is very, very, very important. Because if you opt out of the general email broadcast, that's going to opt you out anytime we use the system to send out emails to Inner Circle. And so you just can't. And I know that, that with that, and we do our best to label all of you, right? So that, and we call it tagging, but, but to label all of you so that you're not getting the general email broadcast and the general email stuff that comes out. If you want the general email broadcasts and emails that comes out, just let us know and then we can adjust your tagging within, within our system so that you can get those as well. I, I like getting them. I like what's, what's going on with the general tribe. So, so for me, yes, there's the inner circle emails, but I like knowing everything that's going on within the company. And so, but just don't opt out. Like just whatever it is, if you got to hit delete on those, you know, once, you know, it's not like we send six emails a day, right? We send one a day. Um, every once in a while during a launch, we might send two, two in a day. I mean, we're not, we're not crazy, crazy about email, but, but also you, then you can't get texts from us either. So just, just make sure you stay opted in. Um, if you feel like you've opted out maybe on accident at some point in time, then just get with the team and they can make the adjustment within the computer. Anybody who we realize has opted out, you're going to get a call from us and you're going to get asked permission. Don't be bothered that you got called and asked permission. We're going to ask you permission to opt you, opt you back in. Next thing on the list, huh? inner circle retreat. So our plan right now, and some people were talking about June, and it's just too early 
with the things that are, that are going on right now with us as, as a company and an organization. I'm looking more like August, September um, is when I'm looking at the next Inner Circle Retreat. I would like to have the next Inner Circle Retreat at, at a new farm that we own, and so I'd like to close on a new farm on the East Coast um, before, before that happens. Um, if we have not closed on a new farm, which I highly doubt, but if we haven't closed on a new farm by, by August, uh, then we will be scheduling it in Idaho, and we'll be doing it at the ranch. Um, we've been working on some of the different things with, with survival. Um, we would like to, there's a company that, you know, we've started to really build a relationship with called Fieldcraft Survival. Um, so we'd like to have them actually come out and do survival training and different things with our inner circle members. And if you're not into survival, they're still a lot of fun. You still get to ride horses. Uh, we still get to engage, and we're going to be talking about new topics and new subjects. And the next thing, you know, that I'm excited about, I think, is just making adjustments, just continuing to make better. I like doing the deal call, right, the week before we walk into the retreat. I think it'll be really good for all, for all of you, too. Um, inner circle referrals, the expectation with that is that you start to engage, and, and, and that's my thing for you. And I don't expect anybody to refer anybody till you've made money, till you've done a deal and completed a deal. But as a part of a community, this is a group effort. Building us to a billion-dollar fund, building us to a billion-dollar company, I have choices. It's pay you or pay big America, right? And, and, and you know, big corporate, big tech corporate. And, and if I pay them, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with, with giving them money. Just like I'm always okay with paying money to realtors and real estate agents, right? I'm okay with that. But at the same time, if I can pay you instead of a real estate agent, you're my inner circle. You're my tribe. You're my, my team. And, and I'd rather take care of you guys than take care of somebody who's outside of here. And, and, you know, maybe that's a little bit of a selfish thing. But if I didn't do it that way, I couldn't take care of you guys the way I do. If we had 5,000 inner circle members, and maybe there's someday in like 20 you know, 23, no, I'm just kidding. In 2025, we could have, you know, 5,000 inner circle members, and that would be really great. But at the same time, we can't. There's just no possible way to take care of people and do the kind of deals we're doing if we grew the inner circle too fast. I always want to make this crystal clear so that everybody understands. Our marketing team is, as I believe, we have marketing geniuses on our team. Um, whether it's Patrick or, or Vincent or Leonard, who are our leaders of that team, you know, I, they're an incredible team. And, and I'm going to tell you that if they, if they had the, 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 the reins unleashed, we could have 2,000 inner circle members in a year. But we could not fulfill that, and we could not be an effective company doing that. And so that's why we do it in stair steps, and that's why we, we do it in pieces. And, and that's why I also listen. If I feel like you're not getting deals, if anybody feels that way or you feel like you're in a place where you're not being served, then you need to communicate with us and talk to us and engage with us because if that's the case, we'll either fix it, we'll change it, right, and, and, and make sure that, that we're adjusting. But also understand through this chaos, we're growing very fast. Things are not perfect, but we are very good. And so there's, there's that unique balance. All right, let's keep going. Um, ask advice. This is something that I think some Inner Circle members do a great job of some inner circle members do not ask enough advice. And so, you know, as I go through time with all of you, I think one of the most important things, and I, and, and I go back to, you know, the Michael Prakash Award and Sam Prakash. You know, Michael and Sam and I, one of the reasons we became very tight in our relationship was because over the years, we just spent some real quality time just talking about deals they were looking to invest into. 
And, and I think that's something that we're here as a resource for you to be able to do that. And I don't mean rad diversified deals. I'm talking about, you know, they had some syndications they were looking into. At uh, one point they were looking into Fundrise. one point they were looking in, you know, to Realty Mogul. one point, you know, they were, they were considering all the different options out there. And they wanted to know what was the yin and the yang. What were the potential positives? What were the potential benefits, right? Like, I'll give you a great example, you know. Somebody recently in the inner circle brought me a, a deal where these, um, there's a, another fund that's out there offering, they're going to build quads, right? Um, and they were talking about completion of these quads being built in 2022. And this was, you know, last year. And they were talking about a 22% return for new development quads. And, you know, I went in and researched, you know, some different, you know, social channels and some different backgrounds. And I was like, they haven't really built before. And, and I said, the other thing is they don't know what the price of lumber, the price of copper, <laughs> price of like everything, right? Electric, plumbing, um, drywall. I mean, they don't know what the cost of materials is going to be going forward. And if they've never done permits before, there's no way they know they're going to complete projects in August of 2022. It's not how this game works. And, and so, you know, first of all, I didn't think a potential speculative 22% return I didn't think was real great because it was completely speculative and a, and a potential thing. And so as I looked at it, I kind of just walked through the deal and said, hey, you know, these guys might be okay. I wouldn't get in on their first offering. I wouldn't get in on their first fund. I would wait and I would see, let them, let them get through a fund, let them prove this, this machine. And I think that's a lot of things with, with your due diligence is, you know, one of the things in Richest Man in Babylon, who is, who is not, who's read Richest Man in Babylon? If you haven't read it, this is a required reading. So write it down, Richest Man in Babylon. I literally read it on a two-hour plane ride at one point, and I, and I read it fast. But one of the things it talks about there is only invest with people with a proven track record and history of success in what you're investing with them in. And so just because somebody made money or, or was successful, right, in the stock market doesn't mean they've made money and they're successful in real estate, right? And so these are things that, that you've got to pay attention to when you're making investments. And granted, you have those different buckets, but the less track record and experience obviously someone has in a specific market, the more higher the risk is. And so seek that advice, seek that information, seek that, that ability, but jump on the calls to get that information too. I can't stand when I'm on a call, a Zoom call, and yes, I'm always happy to go back and be with my family and be a dad and eat dinner and those types of things. I'm, I'm always, I mean, obviously after a long day, I'm always ready to do that. And at the same time, when we have the update calls, when we have the mentorship calls with myself, when we have the mentorship calls with Dory, bring ammunition to talk about. Do a little bit of work. Bring a deal for us to discuss. Bring questions related fill up the calls. They're your calls. For God's sakes, you guys have paid between thirty dollars and $50,000, right, to be on these calls. You only get them once a month with me, once a month with Dory. And I don't mean by only, because if you needed more advice, we're obviously always there. And that's the last one, access and emergencies. If you're in the middle of a deal, in the middle of a transaction, and something goes wrong. When I was in the middle of a deal, in the middle of a transaction, and something went wrong, who did I go to? Who did I go to? I went to you guys. Did I go to you guys or not? Yeah, I went to you guys. I went to you guys and I said, hey, we lost a million dollars in financing. We need to close in 72 hours. I need to, we, need, we need to pull together. We need to get this million dollars in financing quick. 
Did we do it? It's the same thing when you guys are in an emergency, you got to come to us too. If you're in the middle of a deal and you're not sure and you're confused about something, if somebody's get, trying to push you to, to invest in something, if somebody's trying to do something, if you're considering, like a recent Inner Circle member, this was just a, a quick conversation. They were talking about investing almost three quarters of a million dollars, right, into their sister's boyfriend starting real estate deal. First of all, if you're starting into the mother's, sister's, cousin's, brother's, sister's, boyfriend's type of thing, take a deep breath and pause, right? And all investing decisions, you know, take a deep breath and pause. If anybody's ever trying to close you and make you rush to make an investment decision, that should be your first biggest red flag to pause. That should be your biggest thing. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean it's not still a potentially a good deal. There is obviously a time and a place where, where speed, speed, there is an advantage to speed in real estate. Absolutely. And, and, but at the same time, if you feel rushed, right? It's not that you, that you can't make a, an effective, quick decision. But if you're in your gut feeling rushed, then you need to pause and you need to slow down and you need to wait to make the decision. There's nothing in the world that can't be bought tomorrow that can be bought today. And, 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 and if it wasn't meant for you to buy it, right? Then it wasn't meant for you to buy it. There's a, a great story I was listening to on Joe Rogan, and, and I'm going to completely butcher this, right? But there, were, there, there, there was a man in, in a village, and, and, you know, his son is there, and his son is out there, and then people were like, man, it's so great seeing your son out in the field working so hard, and he said, maybe. And the next day, his son broke his leg, and people were like, oh, that's so terrible, that's so awful, and he was like, maybe. And the next day, the army recruiter came by, and, and people were like, that's so great that your son, you know, had it, his leg was hurt, so he couldn't be recruited by the army, and he could stay home, and he was like, maybe, right? And I think, you know, lots of times when you pass on a deal, people feel like they miss something. They call it FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. And it's, I mean, it has a term, and, and you start to feel like guilt because you miss something. And here's the thing. In my lifetime, have I ever seen, you know, opportunities or gifts or different things, right, pass me by because I didn't move quick enough? Sure. Has anybody else ever seen something they missed because they didn't move quick enough? Raise your hands, right? But will there be another one? Yes, right? And that's the thing in this great world we live in. There is more than enough abundance, more than enough opportunity for the next one because the next one might be the correct one. It might be the right one. And so, you know, these are the situations we got into. I, I, great examples like, Dexter Hughley, right? He invested, one of our inner circle members, been with us for years. He invested in a house in Houston that got stolen from us. And so, you know, you would have had that conversation like, man, that's terrible. That's the worst, you know, like, I mean, can you imagine? You know, we invested in a house and we no longer own the house. I mean, there was literally people living in the house and we went, we, we were just getting ready to show it for, for new tenants. And we went to the house and they're like, you're not the owners. Like we rented this from so-and-so. And, 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 but in the same time, that conversation's maybe. Because in that situation, when, after, you know, we had to file a lawsuit and we had to do, you know, different things to get the property back. But 18 months later, we got the property back, but we also wiped out, right, a mortgage on the property. Because what they had done is when they had done the, the fraud, they had went and got a loan with it and a mortgage company had paid off the loan. Well, we don't have any responsibility for the loan that they, they paid off and for the title insurance that wasn't done correctly on the property. And so, so he ended up getting a win. And he wouldn't have you know, made that extra $50,000 from that specific property 
you know, that quickly any other way. And so through his patience, he stayed in the deal. Obviously, he was offered to move out of the deal, but at the same time, he, he had a win. And so that's that maybe. Um, Brian Luttrell recently, one of our Inner Circle members, and Brian's, you know, uh, you know a project manager, and, and, you know, he travels a lot, and he's in Idaho right now. Uh, he just finished a contract, and he's working on, you know, buying his forever home, buying a, buying a dream home. And so there was an auction and, and Brian, you know, was, was trying to, you know, push to buy this property, beautiful property on a couple acres, you know, in Idaho, and he was pushing, and, you know, he contacted us, he let us know what was going on with the auction and stuff, and I just, I got on from the phone with Brian, and, you know, just talked him through, it. and this was kind of an emergency, because the auction was coming in 48 hours, he needed to make some decisions, and I just talked him through it, and I said, I said, look, Brian, this is a $300,000 rehab, I said, I said, for an auction property, that's probably going to go because of the way the Boise market is just off the chain right now. I mean, it's flying incredibly fast. I said, for, for an auction property that you're probably going to have to buy retail to then have to put a $300,000 rehab on it, and you've never done a $300,000 rehab in Idaho before, I said, it's probably way more work and way more headache than it's worth. Now, if you got it at a deep discount and you got a great deal on it, maybe, maybe then it's worth it. And so he's like, he's like, you're right. And, you know, he also came to us and he said, hey, you know, Brian's invested a ton with us over the years. He's done hard money loans. Everything we've done, he's done. And so he came to me and he said, you know, Dutch, I might need, you know, a little bit of extra to if I'm going to bid at the auction and things. And I said, well, we, we can do, you set up a lending situation and we can, we can help you with that. Two or three years ago, there was no way I was lending money to any of you, right? We just weren't in that kind of capital or, or cash position, but he was in an emergency and we've built that trust. If you're brand new to the inner circle, I'm light, lot, if I'm not in first lien position, I'm a lot less likely to lend money to you. It's just the way it's going to be, right? We've got to build trust. Got to do one deal before 10. How many of you have ever said that about me? Dutch, we got to do one deal before I do 10 with you. Raise your hands, be honest, right? All right. It goes both ways. It goes both ways. And so, but in, the, in that instance, you know, Brian and I, we've built that, right? If, if Kevin came to me, if Eric came to me, if Alberto came to me, if Mark came to me, you know, people we've done deals and transactions. If Jeff, Jeff and Robin came to me, we've done a lot of deals and transactions together over the years, then I'm going to make that sacrifice one way or another. If I didn't mention you, don't be sensitive, all right? <laughs> if you've done a lot, maybe I just don't trust. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, so that's good. Um, we're not perfect. I think we've all been pretty clear on saying that. Same day communication, we've done that. Um, we're here every step of the way. Please ask questions. Be respectful of our officers. We have families too. So this is one thing that the inner circle's gotten a little bit out of control in the last year. Gretchen sometimes, and I know that she's not your point of contact anymore, but Leah also has a family. She has her own children, right? Don't expect if you send a message at 8 or 9 o'clock at night or 10 o'clock at night. Also understand she's West Coast free, so you, you know, East Coasters, 5 a.m. Is, is, is only, I mean, your 8 a.m. is only 5 a.m. for her. And I know that she could not check her email. I know she could not check voicemails. But the reality is in the digital world, even our team is on email. I mean, how many of you have gotten a, an, email, an email or a text or a call from Gretchen late at night, right? probably more than half of the room have. How many of you have talked to me late at night? A ton of you, right? And so, I mean, if it's important enough, obviously we will always make the effort, even in evening or even at night. I mean, I was driving here to Vegas and I was talking to one of the, the new Inner Circle members on, on the drive here. We'll make that sacrifice. But also, at the same time, take a little bit of extra time to just be aware 
of that respect factor. I know Molly emails you guys at 3 a.m. nonstop with inner circle updates for years. And at the same time, take that little time just to kind of respect that a little bit. And respect my team. And now, you've met them, but sometimes when we have inner circle members who've never met the team, and they're in their fear position, or they're in their frustration position over the years, right? And they're trying to get into deal, not trying to get into the deal, and they start being a, like, like we're human beings. We're real. It's not just money. And so, yes, we're all going to make money together. But I will tell you, the single greatest pet peeve I have in the universe is people who don't treat other people with respect. And the fastest way to get kicked out of the inner circle, right, is to disrespect and treat our team without appreciation. Remember, at any point in time, I do reserve the right, and I've only had to do it in the rarest of occasion in the history of the inner circle. But at the same time, I reserve that right if our team's not respected. It doesn't mean you don't address issues or problems or you don't talk through issues and problems. That's different. But treat our team with respect because we're going to treat you with respect. And we're going to bend over backwards to take care of you and be able to bend over backwards to make sure your deals are done. And that's just the stuff you're aware of. You have no idea how, how intense those guys are in the fields, whether it's Dory or, or it's Robert or it's Ryan or it's Frankie or it's Chad or it's Francis, right, out there in the field working, bending over backwards for you. And so there's a whole team working very hard for you. It's not like you do a joint venture deal and you're just doing the joint venture deal with Dutch, right? You do a joint venture deal with me and then Dory's, Dory's running the project, Molly's doing property management, construction and contractor teams are out there working. Uh, Frank or Chad are probably out there taking pictures and, and, and giving updates. And then internally, then our accounting team takes, takes, takes on the deal. And Melinda does the, the, the joint venture accounting. Lee is doing updates for you internally. That's just a portion of it. That's just, just to get the deal going and get started. And so with this team working very diligently for you, right, I, I, I will be very clear that when, when people are more, more difficult or more challenging, it doesn't matter how much we set, you know, the rules of how our engagement is, it doesn't make it easier for the team to want to make you successful, right? And, and I'm not saying that, that we would ever hold that against somebody because we all have our moments. I've had my moments. If you've ever had a moment, raise your hands, right? Right? Anybody who's been married has had a moment. You're a liar if not. If you've had children, you've had a moment. You're a liar if, if not, right? I've seen a few of your moments over the years too, so, so I know. Good. With that said, I want to get into um, a little bit with Dustin Warren. Dusty, come on up here. Everybody give Dusty a hand. Dusty's out in the hallway. Dusty, come on up here. And so, Dusty is a ranch manager for American Survivalist Project. I, need, I just need a mic. It's up there. Dusty, your mic is right up there at the back of the stage. Um, if we can grab the chairs, you know, a chair or two up here, that would be great, you guys. Mic check. Ooh. We're good. Man. Finally. I'm not dancing. Finally. We interrupt this broadcast to remind you to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Rad Podcast. I bet he would dance. Who wants to see him dance? I ain't doing it. Mira, Mira, do we have any play that funky music, white boy? But you don't, oh, but shot? I, a little bit. See, there he goes, there he goes. 
If we had the right music, maybe. Where do so, you want me? just right here. Right here. Right here. Open. What side's my good side? This side? Or this side? Just kidding. I'll just look out here, and then I don't have to don't see have to your look sides. at me. Cool. So, interesting, and this is the, the fascination part of life, right? Like, you guys have heard me talk about quantum entanglement and those kind of things. So, Dusty and I have been friends for, for many years. And for many years, he was pushing me, not pushing me, for many years, he was trying to engage me or trying to bait me into um, liking Idaho and liking the real estate market in Idaho. And for no other real reason than he was just like, I think this could be really good for your company, you know. And Dusty's a very selfless person. And so what I found... Not true. What I've, what I've found over the years is, is if, you know, well, I think in life, there sometimes there's a yin and yang. I mean, I'm an, I believe I'm an extraordinarily selfish, selfless person. I, I, I make a lot of sacrifices. But through those sacrifices, I also believe there can be mutual benefit. And, and I think the greatest thing in the world is to create mutual exchanges and good exchanges. And so Dusty and I knew each other for several years. And when my wife came to me and she said, hey, Dutch, we need a plan B. And I'm like, well, what's a plan B? She goes, you know, we have different beliefs than traditional society when it comes to our medical, when it comes to pharmacy. And she said, I don't know where this is going to go. She goes, I don't know where vaccine mandates are going to go. She goes, I don't know if they're going to start forcing children to vaccinate. And, you know, and I respect you if, if, if that's the choice you've made. We've made the other choice. And we've been, obviously, from yesterday, you know, we've been non-pharma for, let's see, I'm 42, so since I was 30, so 12 years, for 12 years. You know, our son, our son Mike is a great example. You know, he's never been to a doctor for uh, an illness in his life. Um, he's never needed to. He doesn't really get, hard, I mean, I can't. The only time I think he actually gets sick is when he's growing. He gets, he gets fevers when he's, like, going through growth spurts, which is interesting. And, and so for me, you know, we felt like our lifestyle was being infringed upon. And so I had talked to Dusty about different things, and I said, you know, I'm thinking about going up to Idaho to buy a farm. And I'm just curious what your opinion was when I, when I first said that. Well, after all the talks we had about property and how Boise Market was looking pretty good, right? We all knew something was coming. Um, we could feel the market was starting to, to transition into um, just a phenomenal market. And so when I think we finally came down to the realization that you were coming, um, I was a little bit shocked. And I think really where it came down to, from my perspective, and I've told a few of the Inner Circle members this already, my perspective, our conversation was we were... I don't know what time it was. It was late at night. I wasn't sleeping, which I don't do much of anyway. But I think you said, hey, you know, Vanessa and I want this plan B. We wanted to have this ability to leave, like you said. And, uh, and you said that she had great counsel, and she just feels like we want to have another option. So I think you said something like, can I, can I come and stay with you? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what, I, you I, that's what you first I, it said. It might have been. It might have been. I might have said, like, hey, if, like, next week, you know, Yep. It hits the fan. Can I come visit? Yep. And I said, you bet. And so, you know, we don't have a lot of land, but we have a, a enough to, to be able to put, I mean, for us up here, up in Montana, or sorry, in Idaho, we didn't have uh, a lot of land. It doesn't have a lot of land, 10 acres. It, it's a little bit of land. But, but, but we, the reality is we could have put several families on there, and I think it just turned into, hey, can we stay on your place? And I was like, yeah, you know, I got plenty of room. And then he's like, but you do realize this was a couple of days later. He goes, hey, are you still s serious about having us stay on your place if, if we needed to? And I was like, 
Absolutely, anything for a friend, right? Because that's the thing about me and my family is we're always trying to find ways to serve other people. This life's too short, you know? There's like, I bet everybody in this room, that's the beauty of, I think that everyone in the room right now has been blessed with, with um, financial security for the most part. And I think that financial security um, allows us to serve other people. I think the more that we give, the more we make, the more opportunities come about. And that's the beauty about the people in this room. And so one thing about Dutch, obviously, is I feel that way um, about Dutch and, and Vanessa, especially, uh, and Amy, just how um, giving they've been to me. But off that t uh, little tirade. Um, so well, then we planned well, a trip. We, yeah, well, basically, we, we, uh, um, Dutch is like, hey, I'll come up and Vanessa's got a big family, so it'd be all them, too. And I'm like, hey, that, my place is too, it's too small for, for everybody. I said, but how about up that, this ranch that I had found up there? And, um, and it was about 500 acres. And you're like, well, how much is it? And I was like, oh, it's about 500,000. Dutch is like, no, don't want it. There's something wrong with it. I'm like, no, it's just, it's a great piece of property. You got to come and look at it. I've been looking at it for a while. Had a running creek in it, had some timber. And uh, he's like, I'm coming. I'll, I'll be up there on Thursday. And this was like Friday night, I think, or maybe Saturday. And, um, and then Dutch calls me on Tuesday, and he's like, we got a problem. I'm like, what? And he's like, property's gone. I was like, no, it's not. It's been on the market for 720 days. And then uh, he's like, dude, I'm telling you, it's not there. So I jump online, and I'm like, I'm going to prove this guy wrong. No, Dutch was right. It went under contract. So I call my, my agent friend, and I said, hey, can you look at this property? And she's like, yeah, it's under contract. I'm like, what? So then um, we had scheduled, I don't know how many properties we were going to look at. Because you were... Like five or six. Five or, five or six. And and by the time... But really, um, it was two. There was two that, like we said, as long as we see them and they're anything like they look like in the pictures, we're going to make offers. Right. Well, the thing is, is you came up, and Vanessa and I and my wife, we, we went on this um, couple days of looking at properties, and we started watching all these well, ranch... So but, but we drove up, right, from California with, with my sons. We did, like, Zion and Grand Canyon and different things. If anybody remembers when Micah smashed his face it was on you know social media it was grand canyon so that was on the way up there and it was fascinating in the three days to four days between when we left california then to drive up to idaho to look at properties for the survival project they were all gone yeah. all of the ones that that we had designated as ones we wanted to potentially look at were all gone yeah and then we looked at several that that were under contract it seemed like they were under contract later that week or the beginning of the following and so we were kind of in scramble mode, like, what the heck is going on? We, I think we just found the, the market was just start, just starting to get super hot. And we were pretty blessed with it, with, with a good realtor who had been in the market for a long time that was a personal family friend of Dusty's. And so we were actually just driving down the road. I mean, that's the best way to put it. And she said, you know, like two years ago, I showed a farm, you know, down this road. And, you know, let's, you know, it's like a couple miles down this way. Let's, let's just go take a quick look at it. And you actually weren't with me. At that, at just that was probably one of the only few properties you hadn't toured with me, and we went on the property, and that was the original 454 in in Idaho. Uh, was was you know I was just blown away. I was just like I can't believe you know this farm is here, and I mean we're talking it has two miles of river running through the farm, and that's not to say with the, all the other good things with it, but just that's enough, right? Two miles of river running through running through your farm is you know pretty amazing, and I looked at it and I called Dusty and I was talking to him about it and he was you were kind of surprised as we were talking about it and I just said let's just make an offer so we actually made an offer that either that day or that night yeah it was later that night and uh, and they countered back and we went back and forth for only about 48 hours it was pretty quick 
And so then we put the first Weezer Ranch under contract. Um, and then I was never expecting the 1,600 acres. So there's they, that same ranch, they owned an additional 1,600 acres. Um, they had split them into two potential sales. And then Dusty got to know the owner of the, the property. Well, they had 10 owners. Um, and, and there was nine. Not, nine. Not that it matters. No, it matters. <laughs> and, and so, but he got to know the primary, you know, fairly well. And so he was actually able to negotiate the other 1,600 acres. Um, and so, you know, next thing we knew, we were owned 454 acres and we were under contract for 1,600 acres. I think when we, that was about the time I started to share with all of you and our investors just about, you know, the plan B. And Survival Project really wasn't even an idea yet. And it was just, you know, for me, and I was just sharing it, you know, with my inner circle members. And I was saying, like, look, here's an investment we made in the REIT because of, you know, the potential returns. And I actually had no idea the property, you know, would, was going to skyrocket in value or what land values were and, and all of the different things. And so I started to do, you know, that deeper dive into farms. And I knew it was worth a lot more than we paid for it. I had no idea that, you know, we'd make a half million dollars on, on you know, just less than, you know, I think 7%, you know, as we sold 7% of the farm with the 160 acres. And I was just, you know, pretty, pretty blown away with, with the whole process. And so then Dusty did a detailed national analysis on land and what the valuations on land and the valuations on farmland were. And it's a really great um, analysis he did. And I started to realize that, you know, farmland in, you know, Iowa, Nebraska is 40 to 50,000 an acre. You know, the farmland that we owned in Weezer was a minimum valuation, you know, roughly, you know, could any be anywhere from 7,500 to 10,000 an acre. It's over 10 or, now. Yeah, or 12,000 an acre, yeah. you know. And when you're buying at 3,000 an acre and your, your land's now worth 4X and you own 2,000 of those acres, it, it, it's pretty mind-blowing. Um, and so now Survivalist Project started to become an idea. And so now I went to Dusty and I said, hey, Dusty, we're going to, I would like to launch a national campaign. I'd like to own six farms this side across the country. I'd like to establish depots outside of every major city. And, um, you know, I know you're, and he began, had begun running the Weezer Ranch for us um, and doing an, doing an excellent job. Got crops on the ground before we wanted to. Uh, they'd been, you know, renovated one of the houses, you know, and this is, what, eight, 10 months ago, nine, eight months ago. And, you know, they had just done, done an excellent job with the beginnings. Um, and then I began to really respect his ability to analyze farmland, analyze deals, find deals, and his communication. And, and obviously, I respected the man already. And that's always first. And, and before, you know, integrity first. You know, high performance, low integrity doesn't do you any good. But high integrity, you know, high performance is obviously the most ideal situation in the world. And so, you know, with, with Dusty, as we began to talk deeper and deeper, and we made a trip to Georgia uh, with two Inner Circle members to, to look at Georgia farms and Georgia properties. And, and then we made offers on, on several deals that, that ended up, you know, not being successful. And, and we could have we pushed. At the same time, I, it's that same philosophy, right? I, there'll be another deal the next day. Um, and at the same time, we might go back and offer some of those. So this is kind of fast-forwarding to me asking Dusty to run the ranch acquisitions and, and, and farm and survival part of our, our, our company. And obviously, one man can't run all three of those major 
initiatives. But, you know, over time, you know, we'll be able to build him leaders, you know, that he's able to manage and run. And, you know, Dusty left a, you know, high six-figure job and, and, you know, in order to come and, and join us as a company to help him fulfill his passion, his dream. And, and it's fascinating because in some ways he's on a journey like many of you, you know, in the sense that he came to our company to achieve his dreams, achieve his, his passion. Um, I, you know, I, you'll hear more from him, but man, this guy loves cows. <laughs> and, and he's lurked in corporate America, you know, for a good part of, good, for a good part of his life. And he loves ranch life. He loves, he loves survival life. And, and, and so, you know, he loves also being a businessman at the exact same time. And so, you know, I just wanted to take a moment to, you know, kind of have him share with you guys a little bit, you know, what's going on in Weezer and what's going on at the farm and be able to let you guys ask questions. But I mean, it's pretty cool because I've put a lot of pressure on him um, at, from different times. You know, we have bathrooms up and running, you know, in Weezer. We have, you know, um, connexes. We have yurts. Um, you know, we have food storage. Um, and it's by nowhere means where we want it to be, but, but it's pretty impressive, you know, how quickly we've come in a year, you know, with, with what we've been able to do with it. And to be able to launch is obviously kudos to our marketing team months early um, so that we can start, you know, really laying the, the fuel. I always say every dollar that goes into the survival project is just fuel to build it more, to, to, to build it better. So with that, with that said, tell them about what's going on at the ranch now, besides snow. We have cows. We have cows. <laughs> So um, one of the things that we've been doing is just getting ready for um, really making sure ASP is, has, was as ready as possible for the short amount of time that we had. We, we, did, um, we had some winter weather obviously hit, so it slowed us down in some of the areas we would have liked to have been a little further along. But um, we, uh, right now, as far as the, the farm itself, we're um, waiting some final proposals to get our pivots in. For those of you that understand what a pivot is, it's an irrigation system that's better than flood irrigating because you get to conserve your water you get to use the proper amount of of let, let's say rainfall equivalent right if you need to have an inch and a half of rainfall to have a particular crop grow we want to make sure that we only get an inch and a half of the equivalent of rainfall on your crop so you're not wasting water or flood irrigation um, i mean i don't know how, how detailed you want to get on this but i can just kind of give you some things that are passions for me right but um instead of wasting all the water and just flooding it and having you know take 24 hours for the water to soak into the soil to really get the root system um, the water that it needs. You can do it with the with these pivots, right? And it also increases productivity because they don't have to have people, you know, five or six people trying to do irrigation all the time doing a siphon tube. So it's, it's a much more efficient. And so the, right now we're just trying to do um, improvements, right? We the, the mentality that we have right now is finding um, farm and ranch land at a, a level or a state where it's kind of established, but but it's been neglected. And the reason that we do that is just like any rehab. You guys are all professionals. You understand how the rehab situation works. You buy low when it's kind of at a state of decline or a state of needing a little bit of um, somebody to come in and fix it up, right? Same thing with ranches and farms. And there's a, there's a lot of them out there. Um, so that's what we're doing is we're just fixing up these places, making them more profitable, making them run almost without, um, in fact, and what some of the pivots we have, um, not the ones that, that we're putting in, but the ones we have now, I can control them from my phone right now. And so obviously we're not doing that because it's the snow's on the ground. But if I ever needed to be traveling somewhere, I can control it from my phone and make sure that I get proper rainfall. So um, those are some of the things we're doing as far as the crops are concerned. Um, this year, we're, we're going to probably try to pull most of our crop off, no, probably not do corn this year, even though it's a pretty high profitable 
um, source of, of income. Um, and we're going to try to get a little bit more alfalfa on there. Alfalfa is extremely high because of the drought. So we're, we're trying to make sure. And the reason I'm telling you these things is so you understand that, that, um, that my employees, we've got pretty good employees right now that are handling their, their business and they're handling the things that, that uh, I directed them to do. And then I just let them do their thing because these guys are pretty good and they have a passion for it as well. And so as we grow and we get into more spots, because that's going to be a question that everybody's going to have is get more farmland and well, I'm going to be one man running, you know, running around all over the place. We just get the right people in there and let them do their thing. And they've got our best interest at, at heart and they're going to make sure that everything's taken care of accordingly. Um, but with these crops we're going to do, we're going to do a little bit of a little bit more alfalfa fields. We'll do some triticale, some sorghum, um, forage sorghum for, for the cattle because um, what we're seeing with the cattle market is um, – it, it, everybody dumped their cows with the drought, and so they couldn't handle. They didn't want to pay all the extra money. You know, if you're a bale of a hay is going to cost you, you know, um, hundred and hundred and sixty is the standard per ton, right? Um, right now, I'm selling hay at four hundred a ton, and and you can just imagine what kind of you know net um, earnings we're going to have at the end of the year. And so those are things, some of the things that we're evaluating right now. Corn's corn's great because China obviously had a shortage in corn. And so a lot of the farmers and ranchers out there that had they were growing corn, they they actually pulled their alfalfa out, put corn in instead because it was that much more profitable. We're taking a different approach because there's a shortage of hay because everybody pulled their crops. And so we're just we're playing the market, we're flipping our stuff around. So go ahead. Yeah. And I, I just try to not base many decisions off of what China's doing, just in the sense that well, yeah, you know, I, I you know they there's, they definitely have a you know 2049 plan that's you know been written and published, you know the overthrow of capitalism and you know them saying they have a massive shortage of corn and then tons of american farmers yep. investing into corn and then them not having a shortage of corn would not be good you know for american farmers you know in some different ways so i mean i know there's subsidies and all kinds of other things to protect protect farmers but oh yeah um you know the interesting part is is we can invest you know and i'm not talking from a survivalist standpoint i'm talking from a REIT standpoint we can invest heavily into our farms and the return, you know, for us is exponential. And that's kind of, I think, where it would make it almost impossible for an everyday farmer to compete, you know, with someone like this. But, it, but even a business, you know, um, you know, even like, you know, businesses. Because the, the fact of the matter is, for me, to increase the income on a farm by $100,000 can increase my long-term evaluation by $2 million, you know, in a farm. And so, so you know, that's that's pretty crazy on a dollar per acre and running a, an equity-based REIT, that increase is, is amazing and we have the expertise to be able to do that. And so one of the things Dusty and I are doing with each farm is we're evaluating it based on what the income we would make on the property, not the income it's currently making. Now we like the income that it's currently making because there's nothing wrong with absorbing, you know, absorbing income, but at the same time, anybody who's ever bought a rental property, it, it's not real fun to, to absorb a renter. Um, they come with all kinds of, you know, baggage and same thing, same thing with farms. And, you know, when you have leases and tenants, I mean, I think, you know, the, the future potential of our Reza Ranch is, you know, over a million dollars a year, you know, in revenue. And, you know, it's going to take time to get there. It's going to take, you know, a lot of experience. It's going to take, you know, a lot of work. But at the same time, I believe that's the future income potential. That property was making $40,000 a year was all that property was making per year on, on, a, on a master lease 
of the property. And not to mention the, you know, the per people that, you know, had the master lease, you know, were not taking the property to improvements. I mean, they managed it the way it was. They had it in its current state. And I'm not trying to even be negative about who they are, right? They're good farmers doing, doing good farming. But at the same time, were they trying to open up more fields? Were they trying to put in more pivots? Were they trying to do, you know, the things that, that we want to do to maximize the potential of the property? Were they, you know, talking with, you know, the local chicken farmer to get, you know, extra, you know, poop on our property so that we can, you know, have better soil, right? That's my terms. I'm sure he's got better terminology for it, right, than that. But these are the things, you know, that we look at. You know, we're looking at one of the properties we're looking at in Georgia, you know, had a lime mine on it, and lime's one of the most important things for processing and improving soil. And so for us, if we could have a lime mine, you know, as a part of one of our farms, then that can positively impact all of our farms, you know, across the country, and it's kind of that vertical integration. And so I look at each property from a REIT standpoint, and then, and then the survivalists, to me then is the is the bonus that's the extra you know amazing extra because it's turned into so much more than i ever thought it would be you know from from the very early stages of of our own families you know being able, able to be be a part of it and so that's pretty cool talk about fireway he oh my goodness you just <laughs> we only have we only have 34 minutes before before lee Lee's going to take over. You might just have took the whole 34 minutes if you get him talking about breeds of cattle. I won't take that much time. Um, we, we don't actually have a specific breed because we're not registering a cattle. We have commercial cattle. Um, we do have specific things that we're looking at. Um, we're looking at, we've got some beef masters. Right now I'm putting all my cows on Charlay bulls to help get a little bit extra meat packed onto their bodies. So they're really good. So we like really long cows. Um, what we're noticing with the market real quick is the Angus industry, you had a, a bunch of people that are lobbyists for the, the black Angus, right? So they go out there and they lobby for their black cows. And they've done a great job of marketing black cattle. So you know, when you go to the store, it's like, I got to have my black Angus. Great cows. But what has happened is is that, that we, we, we follow what we call a three-eighths, five-eighths rule. And it's so you have a three-eighths, you know, it's all split up amongst the different cattle breeds that you like to get, whether you want better leg, you want m more length to your cattle for those to understand what's going on there. It's, it's there's kind of a science to it, but we're not we're not as worried about that. We're just trying to get the best quality cattle that we can. Uh, though that's a great question. Um, so, like I said, we got some beef master right now crossed with um, some charlets, and we'll just see how they how they perform. We want to add a extra leg to the cattle that we have. So, yeah, great question. Anyways, you know, Vincent from our social te media team tried you know naming some of some of our cattle. And we just had to let him know, like, you can't start naming the cattle. You can't start having affinity, affinity for the cattle. And then, and, and that was, and that yes, was, her a, name and was he, named, he named a bull Eleanor. So that shows you his experience in farm, shows you his experience in farming. So we still have her, him, him. <laughs> in this modern world, it actually kind of them. It, I don't know. No, that's probably not the right term. All right. I'm not going to protrude my ignorance into that world. So, so. You know, what else about, you know, the farm, you know, you think would be really great to share with all of them? I mean, I think they just want to know, you know. Um, how's day-to-day -day life? And John and his family I, live there, and Keith and his family live there. Yep, and they're, they're, they're doing great. They're doing everything that we need them to do, and then some. Um, we got really lucky because Keith had 10 years plus experience. 13. Um, 13 plus. Ten, I said 10 plus. I know. 10 plus. I just needed, I just needed my mic 10 time. 10 plus, right? Don't take my mic time. Years of experience uh, managing and, and running the farm before, before we took ownership. 
and and he needed you know obviously some guidance and he needed he needed resources as much as anything and 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 so you know we've been able to rebuild our relationship with him and and help him you know become you know i think really help him farm the way he's probably always wanted to in in, in a lot of ways so it's pretty cool yeah he's doing great um you know the thing is is that when anytime you have ownership changes it's it's hard on people and uh then on top of that um, you know, we, we come in there and we have our, our, we're changing stuff and change is always difficult. And so if, when you run it a certain way for 13 years, um, based off of the resources, like you said, that he had, um, it makes it difficult, but he's, he's stepped up to the occasion here and we're doing great. We've got some big plans. He's, um, I've got him doing, um, getting all the pivots designed and ready for us so that I can go ahead and pull the trigger and we can move forward with that. So, um, yeah, he's doing great. Um, as far as the ASP project, I mean, we've got Connexes on site, we've got yurts on site, um, we've been building those out, um, we've been doing our food storage. Uh, that's the other thing too, if, you know, I'm not going to have a lot of time just because everything else I'm doing, but, you know, one-on-one -on -one with, with you guys, uh, if, if Dutch is okay with it or if I can get somebody um, to help me out, I, I'd be happy to answer any questions on just getting your personal food storage um, set up if that's something that, that you can allot a little bit of time during the week, you know, take a call a week or something like that. and just give you a few minutes of explanation, you know, on how to do it. Uh, make sure you're you're rotating your stock. So nobody wants to, I mean, these... I mean, I think best would be, we could probably schedule a, like a group Zoom call. Yeah, that's Where fine. he just kind of takes you through, you know, setting up your personal, you know, escape, your personal emergency, you know, kit or even bug out bag and that kind of stuff. It's just always good to have. I mean, there are hurricanes, there are earthquakes, right? These things, you know, when you've gone 20 years in California without a major earthquake, when you go, you know, a few years in Florida, right, without a major hurricane on the on the East Coast. Those things are coming. And yeah. that's just the natural cycle. That's not even saying anything beyond the normal. And I'd be really careful, too. Uh, one of the, the things that just popped in my mind were, while you were saying that is that, uh, you know, everybody heard John and I were out there talking on the ranch the other day, and then he said something like, oh, yeah, this is, this is I love being up here. I mean, John, John loves being where he's at. So does Keith, for that matter. But he said, yeah, w he goes, I feel like I've already bugged out. And I was like, well... That's great. You feel like you bugged out. You kind of did, right? You're already prepared. What happens if something happens on the ranch and your bug out doesn't have a bug out? So that's the beauty of what Dutch is trying to create here is multiple depots, multiple places that we can go because you never know. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. So if we have multiple places, that's the insight and then in the direction we're trying to take it is, is we want to have, we want our plan B or plan A or whatever to have backup plans and their own plans and have it, I mean, multi-level. So just being prepared for your family. I'll tell you what, if, if something happens where you live in the mountains and you've got your food storage and you have a fire and your food storage go is gone, where are you going to go? You know, so there's things like that. And, and one of the last thing I'd say, unless you want me to lead the conversation in a different direction, is um, when Dutch and I talk about these things or anybody from within, within Rad Diversified, the question is, Always at the end of the day, we get our ideas. We all have different ideas on how this should go. But at the end of the day, somebody, it doesn't matter who it is, somebody just will all of a sudden realize what's best for you. What's best for the people in this room that are invested in this because I've got my way of living. I've prepared for this my whole life. It's just second nature to me. But at the end of the day, we got to make sure that you're comfortable and you know what you're getting. Um, and then all the people that are going to be interested in this project and this product that we have, really at the end of the day, our, we always come back to the, and sometimes we go on our tangents, I'm, I'm prone to that, but somebody will always say at the end of the conversations, what do, our, what do you guys need from us? And so there's always watching, that's the beauty of, of having a group and a community of people is somebody's always trying to bring us back to the, the real important part and that's, that's you.
So you know, just in you know, recent you know history of of, of our life, you know, like Brent, one of the things he was doing, he was pushing us to. Those of you guys haven't heard me introduce, you know, my brother Brent. Uh, Brent, why don't you stand up and everybody can just say hi, hi to you, right? That's Brent. Hi, Brent. You know, I've always felt, you know, I've had freedom because of, you know, his service and the service, you know, of others in this country. And one of the things that he's pushed, you know, in, in a positive way is, is he said, you know, we need to get our East Coast property up and running faster. We need to really pay attention to our East Coast survival property. We need because, you know, because of hurricanes and because of other things on the East Coast, you know, we need to prioritize that because we feel like, you know, that's the most natural, vulnerable place, you know, in the United States to, to that has the most common natural disasters repeatedly that, that people get into emergency situations. And so it's just one of those things about putting all of you first, because it would be easy for us to just make Weezer, you know, the, the, the shining light, right, of Survivalist Project. But if we over, you know, extend ourselves on, on that, then we can't focus on the East Coast the way the way we need to. So why don't you talk about the February trip and what you're planning, you know, for your East Coast trip? Because we we're doing going old school like we you know with our auction trips, but we're doing it with farmland, um, and the, the team's going to go and we're going to make an intense uh, Georgia, Tennessee, um, potentially other places, even northern Florida. Um, we're going to be looking at you know a lot of farms, and we're going to you know we're going to do the the race against the machine, just absolutely just hit it. Yep. So um, he's not allowed to come home till we have a farm. I've got the farm now. We got a couple places that we've been looking at. We, Dutch and I, um, as you mentioned before, we went and looked at a couple pieces of property that were basically what we were after. Um, they gave us the ability to have cattle on it. It gives us the ability to have great crops um, that have already been established, create water resources already on the properties, and those are those went went away pretty quick, right? And and one of the things you said earlier today that I just wanted to touch on was you were talking about sometimes the best deal that you ever make is walking away from that deal. Mm -hmm. Meaning that um, we looked at a property that we both liked. It was 1,200 acres, if you remember. Um, it was a hot day and we were out there and we were talking about how we would like that piece of property, but it just didn't quite feel right. But, but we still were thinking about buying it anyway. And then when you found the place that we have now in Weezer, um, man, what a, what, a, what a luxury to have that place instead of the one we were originally looking at. It would have worked. But, but what it evolved to has is, is been fantastic. And so um, I, I've spent a lot of time looking at property in Tennessee. 1,200 acres was tough to walk away from because they were going to do seller financing. Yeah. There was a lot of, a lot of ease of transaction. I'm always, sometimes I'm careful of ease of transaction, though, too. But yeah, in hindsight being what it is, we, we came out on top. This, the property, yeah, those that have been there know it's beautiful, and, but you haven't seen it. You saw it when it was late, late summer, right? And it wasn't in its prime. Um, and then what we're going to do with it this year, it's going to be an absolute change. Um, neighbors are driving by and saying, I've never seen these fields and the alfalfa look so good. And I, I didn't tell my secret, don't worry. But, um, but, but it's beautiful. And, and so the, the thing is, is that we're, um, Brent and I are going to go into Tennessee. We'll cook several properties in Tennessee, and we're going to grind it for a, a week and a half. And we're just going to go and see everything we can get our hands on. And then we're going to, I, and I'm probably just going to go knock doors. Um, if I drive by something that just feels right and looks right, and then I can really come back to, to the to the next meeting and say, "Hey, we found something that I know is worth its weight in gold for you and for the REIT and everything," that's that's what we're after. Is is those special properties? Um, there's a there's a lot of them out there, but um, there's just per you know how the properties that just fit you, they find they find you, 
And so we've got a couple. I've got one on my on, on there that we're going to look at that I'm really hoping we can get that's kind of like the property. Um, and if it's there and, and it makes sense when I get there, maybe my mind changes when I'm there. But, yeah, it's it's all about having multiple sources of income on it and what it can do to, to, to fulfill our needs as a company. So, yeah. One of the things we've really talked about, too, is they ha there's a scale to it that allows us to put, you know, Keith and John on property, allowed us to them to have, you know, the families and, and allow them to, you know, live that lifestyle. I don't think there's a shortage of Americans who want to live on a 2,000 acre farm and have, you know, an abundance of resources and be able to, you know, live that lifestyle. I think there's plenty of, you know, it's, are they the right ones, if they have the right integrity, the right talents, the right skills, you know, behind it. But I think there's plenty of people, as long as we can provide them with a high quality life, and lifestyle on there that'll 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 put that that work in and so that, that's that's pretty cool is just you know I think people get away from how hard Americans work and and in the world you know people want to question you know American in different ways but people you know we probably have the least time off of any country in the world you know Americans even when they're given time off they work their butts off you know I'll tell you I've had a policy you know with our team for years of you want a sick day, take a sick day. If you can work from home, work from home. If you can't, you can't. If you want to, if you need vacation, take your vacation time. I don't say a week, two weeks. I don't say six weeks. I say, you know, do what you need to do. If you, you know, have a kid that has a soccer practice that every day at three o'clock, and you need you need to take care of that, then then take care of that. And then when you're you're ready to work, then be productive. And when when we need you to push hard, push hard. And I've I found that that I more and often than not over the years, I've had to tell my team take take time off. I need you to take take a little time off. I can feel, I, I know you're starting to get to a point where you're getting a little little frustrated or a little burnout, um, and, and you know, you need to take a little bit of time off. Even if it's just a three-day or four-day weekend before you plan a full vacation, often then the other one, like, oh, you're just taking too much time off. Oh, you're just, you know, taking advantage of the policy. I've Actually, in the history of our company, I've never found people taking advantage of, 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 that, of that policy, and, and you know, everybody in the world said I was crazy when I said that's how I wanted it to be. But, you know, I've always looked up to Tony Shea, you know, the, the former, you know, founder of Zappos. And that was a philosophy they had. And, you know, he's, he's passed away now. But, you know, he's one of those people. You know, you, you have to look at, you know, where you're getting your information from and where you're learning. And, you know, I walked into their company and they had an incredible culture. And I said, you know, that's the kind of culture someday. And I was, you know, in my, you know, 20s before I had a business or offices or company. I said, but that's the kind of culture you know, I want with our, our people someday. You guys, you know, we have about five more minutes with Dusty. Um, you know, we can always, you know, transition into the next thing. But if you have questions, you know, feel free to ask and, and feel free to, you know, anything you want to know about, you know, you know, elk or duck or, or having a 12-year-old daughter who can carry a shotgun like a champion and, 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 and carry it proudly after she's, she's, you know, made her hunt. Because he's got that too. Go ahead, Lonnie. Always smart. Yeah, those are always great, great point. Um, anytime we can find BLM or not like the National you know, Forest Service access and things like that, always, always worth looking at. So um, the problem is you probably already can figure, though, those are usually the first that go. And they're, and they're tied up. Yeah. So you just, and, and the way that we break that cycle of up, obtaining those is who you know. Um, in Idaho, if, if we decide to continue to grow in Idaho and, and add more farm and ranch lands, especially the farming, or excuse me, the ranch land, um, we, I have access to a lot of that. 
and what what we're seeing right now is that a lot of the um, there's a a bunch of um, ranchers that are retiring. I mean, they're they're ready to retire, but they don't really have anybody to give their property to because they're and children. they don't want to give it to their children. Somebody they don't know, and they don't want to give it to somebody who's going to turn it into you know condominiums yeah they don't want yeah exactly they don't want to be in condominiums and they because it's that's their legacy and then sometimes a lot of times their their children are not really interested and they'll do the same thing they're just looking for the money so it creates an opportunity for us that we are trying to buy this land for the legitimate farm and ranching not not to to destroy the land or to turn it into a like a condo or anything like that so great great question the weezer the weezer farm actually has a 80 mile national trail you know that runs <coughs> along the weezer river uh back straight up to the back side of the property which is which is pretty pretty cool. I mean, there's people traveling every day. You know, just they walk on the trail, and you know, they, they, there's a lot of. Uh, we interrupt this broadcast to remind you to follow us on your favorite podcast platform, and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Rad Podcast. South stuff there too, whether it's you know uh, river rafting or tubing or different kinds of things to do around there. But next question. What's the lease amount on corn you're looking for? Hard to go less than, at this point, I think. 1,200. I don't, I don't want to be under 1,200, I think. But yeah, you, you I'd say, I was gonna say 1,000. So 1,000 to 1,200. I mean, the reality is if it's 1,100 versus, versus 1,200, it's not going to make change the world. But yeah, I'd say 1,000. It, it, it depends on the location, right? As we have different, we're spread out across yeah. the United States, some areas are just going to be harder to find um, you know, pieces of land that are together. The, the so less developed it is, the bigger it's going to need to be, because it has to make it worth it to make put put the investment into the improvement of it. And so, mm -hmm. if you're talking like no roads, no trails, no no farming's been done on there, it's going to have to be pretty damn big because there's there's a lot of infrastructure work to go into something like that. And yeah, and you know, the biggest we've looked at is 18 million dollars um, that we considered. You know, and I always thought that was too big. Um, I was a little, you know, from a financial standpoint, you know, and the balance of the company and stuff. And I talked with Amy about it and she said, we'll take it down. And I, I, you know, as we looked at it and I had to agree with her. So. Probably not. Yeah. Too small. Now for, a, now there might be a day when we, our depots go to acreages right now, our depots need to be like one acre and, and, and you know, some garages, you know, and that's, you know, fit so we can fit stuff in there. It might be a day as survival expands. We start going to a little bit bigger properties for the depots. Um, but yeah, that's, that's too, too small for, for, for the regional centers. Um, and it just, the thing is you can't put people in to work it. You can't afford to put people in to work it. And so that becomes, it's kind of like apartments. If you're less than 40 units, it's really to have a hard to have an on-site manager. You go above 40 units. It, it's a lot easier to have an on-site manager. Depends on the real estate, but right now we do. Right now we do, um, and we actually have a couple different um, different mineral rights on the property. Um, we have a gravel pit, actually on. Yeah, we, have a, we have a we contract have, with the county. Yeah. We actually have two, so one of them's dormant right now. We still pay the fees for it, but we don't do anything with it. Um, we have access to it. We just choose to, to retain it, um, but we are not currently using it. And that's just because we want to have that revenue stream if we ever needed it in the future for any reason. So great question. Anything else? Uh, 
Yes. So, so the Survivalist Project is its own standalone entity as a business. And then the farms, right, um, the income they produce goes into the REIT so from the direct farming, from the direct farming. It's another one of those marriage things. Like the REIT and the inner circle, survivalist and, and the REIT, there's, there's a dynamic relationship. And so as the survivalist fully launches and fully goes, what will end up happening is they'll end up being a lease from American Survivalist Project from the REIT. And so the survivalist project will be paying money to lease uh, their portion um, from, from the REIT. And so, you know, it's one of those dynamics that survivalist needs to, I always believe something needs to make money before you start worrying about, um, it's like people are like, I really need an entity before I start a business. And, and a lot of people agree that, and my belief is don't go and spend a bunch of time waiting to start something when you don't have anything yet. Is all survivalist income. The for for the for American Survivalist Project, yes, that's all survivalist income. This might be a question for you and for Brent, but when you're looking at properties, are you taking into consideration future security concerns with the Schumitz and Absolutely, and that's the beauty of having Brent, right? Is his experience with the military and so on and so forth. He brings a dynamic that I don't that I don't fully understand, or I do understand, but I don't understand it to the to the degree that he is. Um, in fact, every conversation I've had with Brent on it is, oh, you got to send me the property like right now, because I'm going to spend all night trying to figure out the ins and the outs and how we're going to protect the property, right? Um, because that's how he's wired, and so that's the beauty of having somebody like Brent with me and teaming up with me is second set of eyes and a different way of thinking, and so we're trying to give as much experience and look at it from different angles. And, and Brent and I, I think. Um, he can correct, you know, he can correct, you get, correct us if, uh, later on, but he and I, I think, think very similarly um, in different experiences, but I think we're kind of cut similar from the same cloth, a lot of the same understandings of how the world is, and um, so if that, I hope that answers the question that you're trying to get at. There was another question I thought over here. Absolutely. Um, He's a wise guy. Man, you're lucky Taylor's not in here right now. <laughs> you might have got all your privileges revoked right there, Kevin. Um, no, just send it directly through Leah. And then Leah will get it in the hands, you know, of the team that she needs to. So, that's yeah, just, yes, to Inner Circle at Red Diversified, yes. Yeah, to Leah, Leah will handle that, and she'll get it to myself and, and or Dusty, so. And I'll vet him. Yeah. Yeah, including Virginia. Um, running water is, is water's resources is, has to be monumental on it. Um, I don't want to be so far out into the middle of nowhere that the only way for us to arrive is helicopter or a four-wheeler. Um, you know, we actually looked at some properties, you know, um, in the northeast and northwest that were those kind of type of properties. But the reality is, is, is maybe someday, but we're just, you know, we're not built ready to, to, for some of that yet. And the reality is if you're in a, an emergency situation, do you really want to, you know, have to backpack across Canada to get to where you're going to live? Or do you want to be able to get to where you need to get to um, to be able to be safe and get, get re, re, restarted? Anything All right. Else? With that said, let's give Dusty a big round of applause, everybody. Thank you.
And keeping with the, the, the deep dive and deeper dive into our projects and, and what's going on, you know, I want to bring up, you know, Andres Perez. So Andres, come on up, give him, everybody give him a hand, right? They'll switch the PowerPoint up, don't worry. They'll, they'll get it up there for you. So, so this is, you know, Andres is really his first experience with, you know, our group and, and, and training and developing and speaking. And, you know, I, one of the things I love, you know, about Andres is he has a spirit and energy with anything he attacks in life. And, and, and you know, he was, you know, an IT, you know, professional for, for many, many years, made great income, great money, worked with, you know, big companies and highly trained. But like many of you, he had to pursue an alternative stream of income, a different way of living, a different way of, of seeing life. And, and so that took him into a deep dive within the crypto world. And, you know, he's been through, you know, the scams. He's been through the wins. He's been through the losses. He's been through the ups and downs. And so, you know, my wife Vanessa and I, you know, it's fascinating because, you know, just like, you know, my mother-in-law Irene invested with us when I went and first and did my first, you know, Houston auction trip and, and invested my own money as well at the same time with student money into buying those, those auction deals. You know, she invested with us. Andres, when he first came to us, we invested with him and he's made us money over the years, you know, within the crypto space. And, and I caveat this with four other individuals over those years have also approached me that I've given money to in the crypto world, right, over those years. And all four of them lost the money, right? And including one of my own employees, right? And, and, but I wanted to let him go and dabble and I wanted him to let him, because for me, that's research and development, you know? And, and so, you know, Andres being a father and, and, and being able to, you know, really establish his own freedom and being, a, being, his, being his own man, you know, I think that's important when you look at the why behind somebody's doing something. And so, you know, he has a, you, you have the PowerPoint switched, or he, he's quick. And, and so, you know, I'm going to let Andres do his thing with you and share with you about, you know, crypto with, with Rad Diversified and, and where we're going to dive into. My caveat with this is always, you know, I believe, and this goes into our high-risk bucket, um, but I also believe it has, you know, 10x kind of potential. And, and so I, I think, you know, it's past time that Rad got involved with this, but we took years before we made the decision to do it, and we took it slow, and, and you know, we analyzed. And now, you know, my goal is to surround Andres with the best, you know, research team that I can, the best resources I can in the world as, as, as he you know, invest into crypto with us. And it's not trading in the sense of we're not going to do day trading. Um, I believe we're diving into a deeper well um, that is what I would say slightly more conservative in the crypto world um, to help us, you know, bring about that future. So everybody give Andres a big hand and it's all yours, brother. Oh, thank you. Thank you, guys. Uh, oh, I didn't realize he was going to leave the stage. I thought I was going to be with him. I'm just kidding. I'm I just getting tea. You're good. I'll thing. come back up. I swear. What's I happening? Swear. I'm all on, my, all, all on my own now. Um, thank you guys very much. I appreciate you guys for being here. I know it's Sunday, so uh, you guys hung in. I, I like that. Uh, so let's get started. Um, I started about uh, eight years in the crypto field. I actually started in Bitcoin mining. I got a part of a company that was into mining, um, was able to make some money there. Vanessa was a part of that. Uh, that's what Dutch was referring to. And then uh, over the last two years, I kind of took a deep dive into it. Um, like he said, I was doing IT and IT security for the last 20 years of my life. 
Um, the one thing, if you know anything about IT, is that we're always on. 24-7, you're always available, you always have to be there. I think there's an IT manager in the audience. She's nodding her head, so I'm, yes. Um, that gets to be old, especially when you have two children that you're trying to raise. So uh, my son came about, and my daughter, and you know, they're the passions of my life, and I really wanted to refocus. I wanted to put my energies into them. So I said, how can I do this and how can I make that happen? And crypto was a way for me to be able to do that. I can literally do that from anywhere in the world, get on a laptop and do what I needed to do as far as trades go. So uh, you may sense a little nervousness in my voice. <laughs> as an IT professional, we're rarely on stages. So <laughs> if, uh, if I do come across a little nervous, uh, forgive me. Um, so anyways, in uh, yeah, 2021 actually, not 2020, we went ahead and opened uh, a fund, uh, an ICO fund. And what ICO is, is uh, initial coin offerings. Um, and what that allows us to do is, or allowed our, our funds to do, is basically get in ahead of everybody else and stay kind of ahead of the herd. And that's kind of the point in crypto or any, or any type of investment you want to do. You want to get in before everybody else starts jumping in because that's where the money is. Um, and that's what we're really looking to do with, with part of this fund, um, is get into a lot of these investments. Get in small. We don't have to put in too much. But the returns are exponential just because there's so much growth. Um, I don't know if you guys heard, but Facebook <laughs> just changed their name to Meta. And they've dedicated... Uh, I believe it's $22 billion into, fa into this meta project already, and it's only going to get uh, even more funding, I believe. So it's time for us to kind of get in and see what we can do with this market. Um, the two avenues that we're looking to kind of address and kind of get into um, are metaverse, which I'm sure you guys heard of, and I don't know if too many of you guys know exactly what that's about, um, but basically, it's kind of like a 3D rendering of an environment or a, or, or a world that you can go into um, through your computer, through these Oculus, you know, goggles to be able to, you know, connect with other people as if you were right there in the room talking to a person. A um, lot of benefits to that, a lot more communication happening, a lot more openness happening. You could see them, you could, you know, interact with them. That's kind of where the world is going to some degree. Good or bad, that's where the world is kind of going. Um, so we're really looking to tap into that. Um, the two areas, like I mentioned, were metaverse and initial coin offerings. Uh, oh, the clicker? Mm -hmm. Oh, look down there. They can't. No, your clicker. Oh. To your next slide. Oh, there we go. See? Never, I haven't been up here it's too right, much. Man. There we go. You're doing great. Perfect. Ah, there there we go. you go. Uh, metaverse. Uh, it's the new digital real estate, really. Um, so this is where everybody's buying land, you're purchasing it, and you're building on it, you're renting it out. There's a lot of things that you're going to be doing with this metaverse land. And that's really what we're trying to do with Rad Diversified. We want to set ourselves up as a presence in the metaverse. So like we are REIT here in the real world, buying real world properties, we want to go into this metaverse and develop ourselves as a presence in the metaverse for people to go through us to get a hold of these lands. Um, there's a lot of opportunity there to do that. We actually just had a conversation with uh, a project called Frogland, um, and they're looking for something like that. An actual real estate broker, real estate investors, to actually be in their land for people to go to, to be able to transfer out their lands and sell their lands and do whatever they need to. We want to kind of be that intermediary and take a little bit of uh, every single transaction if we could. I think that would be very beneficial. Um, so uh, the other thing we're looking to do is work directly with some of these metaverse projects like Frogland and team up with them um, to get ahead of the herd and really kind of get on these projects before everybody else does. A lot more return on investments if we could get on these projects and uh, really kind of ride the wave with them. 
the next portion of it is the ICO. And that's where I have a lot of experience. That's what I've been doing for about the last two years now on my own. Um, and now bringing it to Rad Diversified. But ICOs is basically getting into a lot of these coins in general at the very early and seed stages of the project. Um, if you guys are into stocks or anything like that, this would be considered like an initial stock offering. But the people that get into these initial stock offerings aren't just the, aren't, aren't the average everyday people. It's the bankers that have the connections to be able to get into these projects and make the most amount of money. That's what we're looking to do here. Um, I feel like that's the best return on investment. I've researched for the last two years. It's the best way to go. You don't have to put a lot of money down to see a really good reward. Um, so we're going to be taking advantage of a lot of those lucrative returns on investment. Um, we're going to have a balanced portfolio of decentralized applications. Basically what that means is we're going to invest in a lot of different companies or different programs and projects. And the reason why is because I don't think one area is going to rule everything. So we want to get into gaming. We want to get into different type of DeFi. We want to get into different type of applications that really bring a lot of you know, momentum into the area and really kind of drive the price up. If we can do that and get in early, we could ride the wave, which is really nice. Um, one last thing, though, I want to let you guys know, it's very high risk, a lot of volatility, but very high rewards. Um, we are looking for a one-year commitment in regards to the investment. I think we're, we're, we're sticking with that, right? Um, and the reason why is that when we get into initial, uh, these initial coin offerings, what you do is you get vested. So they'll give you a percentage of the asset right when, you, when we get the purchase done and everything's done. And then they wait a month to give us the rest of it. And they wait another month to give us the rest of it. So it takes about a six months, roughly, for us to be able to actually transition that asset out and actually make money on it. Um, on some of these projects, if they're really good, what we want to do is actually retain about a quarter to about a third of the actual asset itself. Does that kind of make sense? And what we're looking to do is actually keep it for the long haul, because if we know it's a project that's really going to do well, let's hold on to the, you know, the Ubers of the world. Let's hold on to the Facebooks of the world. Let's hold on to some of these good projects that are coming out um, and making us money. Oh, let's not forget to push the button. There we go. Uh, so metaverse acquisitions. Um, so this is the main kind of part of it, and this is where all of the big fish are already getting in. If you look on this list, it's Microsoft, it's Apple, it's Nike, it's Gucci, it's Walmart, and of course everybody knows Facebook. Um, they jumped in full head, and, or full whatever that's called, but yes, they jumped in and they're ready to go. Um, so I feel like this is kind of the next wave, this is the next iteration of kind of where, you know, all these companies are going to end up spending a lot of money. And the reason why they're spending all this money on the metaverse is because they know people are going to be there. They can actually devise an ad because they know what you like already. So when you go into the metaverse, you're going to get a different, a whole different perspective than if Dutch were to go in. He's going to see different ads. But this is targeted marketing, and that's what they want to do. They want to make sure that you're seeing the ads that are relevant to you, very much like you do on your Instagrams, very much like you do on Facebook. Um, this is kind of that next iteration. Um, the average sale, just to kind of give you guys a heads up, of uh, Sandbox, which is one of the major metaverse plays, went up 18x over this last year. Think about that. That's $18 for every dollar you put in. That's amazing. And it's only going to go up. If you look at any of the research, they're talking about this going through the roof over the next probably about three to five years is their predictions. Um, increase in profits. So the way we're going to actually work on increasing profits within this metaverse is purchasing land, uh, building on top of the land, and renting out this land. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. It depends on the, the actual launch pet or the actual metaverse that we're in. But you're able to actually make money off of just owning this land, renting it out, or building on top of it and doing those kind of things. So we're really looking to get into that space as One well. One of the things I find really interesting is I've always said, you know, in our inner circle, we have power. As a group, 
we have power. And so you go and take, let's just give an example, Funrise, right? Let's say they go and buy 100 parcels of land in Sandbox. Maybe they take 100 employees and they have them start improving and start, you know, dealing with different things. Well, the nice part is, is if, you know, we'll have volunteers from the inner circle to get involved in, 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 the, in the project and different things. But we have the ability to simply, by having activity within our properties, activity within the things, we have the ability, right, to increase our value as a company. And so we, as we increase our value as a company by increasing the value of our land, what happens to our REIT price then? Goes up. And this is, this is all like this kind of synergistic, tied-in network, and this is kind of where our universe can be more powerful, is, is our ability to work through this process together. And I'm not talking about a new job. But I'm talking about something that can be fun, that could be enjoyable, that a lot of people are going to be doing anyways. And so, you know, we'll have a lot of obviously inner circle members who, you know, want to be a part of that and want to be involved in that. And that's something, you know, we'll work with you for that process improvement, for that online networking, that online socializing. Because, you know, activity is going to create, you know, power within the metaverse, I believe, in a lot of ways, which is pretty cool. Yeah, another thing that I wanted to bring up um, is that we, I, I would highly encourage you guys to all ask me questions. Um, I know this is a new area for a lot of people, um, and the only way you can feel comfortable investing is actually by knowing what you're investing in. So I really want to encourage you guys to reach out to me. I'll get all my information out there, um, and then maybe we'll do a Zoom call or something like that, like once a month. Um, to just go over high-level high topics that you guys, you know, I'm getting questions about regularly that everybody wants to know. Um, if you're anything like my father, he won't invest in it unless he knows what it is. And trust me, it, it takes a while to get him going. So um, <laughs> that being said, we also want to partner with a lot of the, the high players that are, that are actually in the field already of Metaverse. Um, there's a couple of companies that we're looking to align with and really work with them and their strategies to kind of make this thing happen for us. Um, there's not a lot of experts in this field, to be quite honest with you. This has all been probably about the last two years that this has all come out. So we're really looking to kind of align ourselves and get in alignment with people that are uh, already doing it and knowing how to make money in this area. Um, and the last thing is building that rad presence. We want our name not only outside this, you know, in this real world of everybody knowing what Rad Diversified is, but if we can get into the metaverse and do the exact same thing and everybody knows what Rad is throughout the metaverse, then we're really starting to develop some traction in the metaverse and people are going to want to come into our organization just knowing that we're a diversified portfolio of, you know, investments here. We're not just metaverse, but hey, they're doing read as well. Oh, they're, you know, also got a survivalist project. So it's really going to lend to kind of more avenues for people to kind of find us and be able to invest with us, which is great. Uh, this is the next phase. This is the next portion of kind of or one of the pillars that we're going to be looking at. And the next phase is initial coin offerings. This is what I was talking to you guys about before. And what the benefit of this is, is that if we can get in before, uh, before everybody else and get in early, we could really take advantage of like before everybody else gets in to really get some nice return on investments. Um, because once everybody else jumps into the pool, it's flooded, nobody else wants to get in, everybody's getting out. So we want to get in before anybody else gets into this. Um, the next part about this is anybody familiar with DeFi, decentralized finance? Great, great, great. Um, if anybody is aware of it, I know there's only three hands, but basically what it is, it's kind of like a bank giving you an, uh, a savings account, and you're actually putting it in there, and they're saying, hey, listen, if you put it in with us, we'll give you a promotional account, or a promotional interest rate of, you know, 200, 300% for the next three months. 
if we can get into these projects early enough, we can tap into a lot of those resources and really maximize our returns by just doing a lot of those things. So it's managing these accounts, making sure we're in the right type of investment strategy in regards to savings and APYs and getting the most bang for our buck. Um, one of the other things that we're gonna be able to do if we get in early is actually get some of these, what's called NFTs. Um, what, what a lot of these companies do will actually offer a promotion. And what they'll give you is a, it's called a digital NFT and, or a digital asset is what it really is in the form of an NFT. Um, and what this is, it could be anything from Coachella. I don't know if anybody's here familiar with Coachella, but Coachella just put out an NFT. Uh, their NFT is a lifetime ticket to any of the Coachella concerts for the rest of their lives. I, it just went on sale, I believe it was a couple days ago, and I'm kind of curious what the price was, but as you can imagine, there's a real world value to this digital asset. And that's what a lot of companies are starting to do now. Um, if we get in early with some of these projects as a benefit, they'll go ahead and give us one of these promotional NFTs that can be valued at quite a bit. Um, here's another one. Artem uh, is actually an international, uh, basically what they do is art. They have, a, if you look, there's one in LA, there's one in London, and one in Greece. They went into this digital realm, and what they're doing is allowing you to buy their crypto. If you buy enough of their crypto, they're actually gonna give you a digital rendering or painting of one of the people that they have in their showrooms already. Um, this is real art, this is digital art that you can take with you and do things with. But it's just an added bonus for, the, for us getting into these things and getting this additional asset and being able to sell those off and make money on those as well. You know, one of the Inner Circle members brought up yesterday, they were saying, well, what if the tokens we got for each joint venture or each deal that we do with you is like an NFT and like it was an NFT that matched the house that we partnered in or joint ventured in, and so we matched a, an NFT with a real world asset, and it's very similar to what Andre, so it was something I was gonna talk to him about, you know, tomorrow um, and this following week, but I thought it was just kind of a cool idea by one of you, you know, just, just a really cool idea. We had a question back, back here. Oh, yeah, corner. yeah, by all means. It'll be owned by the fund, so uh, all, all the assets within the fund will be held by the fund, is in essence what it's gonna be. Um, I was actually thinking about it on the way over here. I said, man, we should've bought some NFTs from Frogland and given those out this weekend. <laughs> but maybe, maybe for the next one, so I hope you guys all show up because idea. we might be, uh, might be giving some of those out. But anything, we, yes, absolutely. Yeah, so the fund, uh, the wallet in this case is probably is going to be owned by, uh, in this case, it's going to be Rad Diversified Crypto Asset Fund. Um, they're the ones that are going to be the custodial owners of the fund. Yeah, and, and the wallet as well. Yes, hey, Jeff. Yes. Yeah, that's what, that's what they're going for. Um, so there's actually a real world usage for a lot of these things. $55,000 I think is still kind of on the low side, but I, it, it's a collectible and people are gonna wanna get those things, right? Oh yeah, that, it <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, 55000 We can bid 100 real quick. I mean, there's, it's only 1,000 a person in here. We're yeah, there was a, a I can write up a private placement, have it done by Monday. Yeah. I just need your commitments. I can handle the 100 in the beginning. <laughs> but yeah, and there's a lot of digital assets in this world. Um, it's actually a, kind of a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, a digital yacht um, that goes into you know one of these metaverses, uh, sold for, I believe, $400,000.
And the, and the reason why they bought this yacht was to actually do presentations and have people go mm -hmm. on this virtual yacht in this virtual world to basically just, just be able to meet up with people and it being kind of like this, kind of like a convention center where you can rent it out and go and do your trips and that kind of thing. So there's a lot of different use cases for this and it's only limited by you know, what you can think of really at, that, at this point. Um, the last part of that is really tapping into the high ROIs. And I'm gonna kind of give you a picture here of what we're looking at. Um, I don't know if you guys can see this and maybe I should have blown this up, but these are some of the launch pads um, that are offering these cryptos, these initial coin offerings. If you guys look over here, it's about 764%, all the way going down to 173%. For the top, I believe it's about eight of those. Um, who wouldn't like 172% return on their investment? And that's, that's just the basic. If you go on the high side, that's the all-time high of what it was worth. And that's probably closer to where we're gonna be selling these things. But that said, if you you know it it doesn't take a lot to kind of get to that point of, yeah, this is definitely going to make us some money if we can get in. Um, we're going to be on top uh, at least two of these, if not three of them, and we're going to basically diversify our portfolio. So we're always getting some of these ICO options coming up for us. Um, we're looking probably to do about two or three a month um, of these ICOs, and it really depends on the the project itself, how much we're actually going to invest in this in the, in these projects. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of great returns right now. Um, if you guys have any questions about that or any questions about launch pads, yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you remember earlier when I was talking about putting into a savings account and getting those high APYs? That's what I was referring to, staking. I figured if I said staking, half the people would look at me like, you're driving a stake through something? What are you, what are you staking? Are you eating a stake? So yeah, I wanted to kind of change it up. question over here too. Yeah, absolutely. You know what, to be quite honest with you, it's so new at this point, it's gonna take about six months to really It's really not fine. even legal to, to do real projections for you. Yes. And that's gonna be the new crypto asset fund that we're, we're opening yeah. this weekend, yeah. I believe, right? Yep. We got all the paperwork mm -hmm. done? Nice. Everything's done, it's open. They can start you know, doing paperwork through the online portal, right? Through your QR codes and stuff, which is, which is really cool. Taylor's back there putting their thumb up, but I already knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, minimum investment is five thousand. Maximum investment is twenty. And granted, I could make it more. I could make it less. But the reality is, is we thought that those were, you know, fair parameters for it. Um, obviously, we've said you know high risk. We can't predict performance. Um, you know, you guys have heard enough, and you've seen enough percentage and numbers of what potential is. I. You know, for me, I am, uh, this is me getting uncomfortable, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. You know, like for me, like uh, Patrick can tell you, we were in, if he's in here, we were in a meeting not that long ago, and I said, what's an NFT? What's a, what's a non-fungible token, right? And I was like, is this like fudge? Like, I don't get, like, like <laughs> is there something to eat here? Like, I didn't complete, you know, and now, I mean, obviously my education, you know, and I mean, I'm, I'm an information collector. It's what I do. Like, I, I can absorb information with the best in the world and I can see things with a little amount of information that few people do. It's one of my gifts. And what I realized was, is I had a list of people who've asked me the, over the years to trade with them, to give them money and different things. And I went back to the only one that had ever made me any money. 
and 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 I went back to you know it comes down to who can you trust in this world, and who can you believe in, and you know there's a reason why I surround myself with people you know like Dusty, you know people like Andres, people like endless list of people right with our team and and you know I can believe in certain people I can trust certain people and and now you know it's do I surround him with the best resources in the world do I surround him with the best researchers in the world do we get him the best information so he can make educated decisions and so that's my goal you know I'm never going to become a crypto expert it's just not going to happen I'll I'll probably know more than a layman right an everyday person and at the same time I'm never going to and I don't want to because then, because as soon as I start to try to become that, I'm actually taken away from what my genius in, in our total group is, you know. And, and at this point, it's kind of very similar to, you know, where Dory is with running our residential real estate business, you know. Dory is, is essentially at this point runs our entire residential real estate business hands off without me being involved. He'll call me for some decisions. He'll call me for planning. He'll call me to discuss things. We'll talk about budgets and different things. But at this point, day-to-day -day operations, Dory runs, you know, and a year ago, I couldn't have said that. And, and that's just, you know, kind of the evolution of the business. And it wasn't like I wanted to be, you know, out of that business, but I also knew if I was stuck in that business, then, then I wasn't going to grow the organization. It's the same thing with Dusty. If I go on their trip with them to the farms in February, then we're making a mistake because now, now I'm controlling and managing their individual geniuses and not allowing them to be individual geniuses. And I'll tell you, there's, <laughs> there's no chance I'll ever know as much about farms as Dusty. Now, <laughs> I know good investments. I know good decisions. I know, you know, I see things um, in different ways. And, and so, you know, it's, it's just kind of part of the whole game. And so for me, with him, it, it's just absolutely, you know, trust and, and it, it's belief. And we can't forecast into the future because, you know, even really anybody who goes and does you future forecasting and they open a crypto fund, unless they've already opened a crypto fund, paid out their investors, done the entire process, they're doing something that I believe is, is illegal. And so we can tell you what we've seen in the markets, what we've seen in the world, but, but to do any predictions past that, we, we, just, we just can't. But we're going to attack it with tenacity. Um, we're going to get after it. We're going to use the best resources. And, you know, I, I believe we're going to do very well with it. Yeah. yeah I opened up uh, through IRA Club a LLC for crypto. Nice. But I couldn't find a bank that would open up a business checking account for me to start it. They were investing in crypto. Hmm. So I haven't invested in crypto yet. Yep. One of the hardest things on the planet yeah. when running a fund is opening a bank account. I, I went through bank after bank after bank. Um, you know, Chase closed our bank account and, and held our money. Um, had, to, had to really go after them to get our money back. Um, bank of America opened a bank account for about six months, closed our bank. And I'm talking, you know, a decade ago. And, then, and, then, and so we went through that journey, right? Um, for us, crypto is a very specialized process. Um, we are very blessed that our first Regulation D investment funds that we opened up. This is just fascinating, that quantum entanglement thing I talk about. Um, really great lawyers. And when we went to open a Reg A, he's like, Dutch, I can't help you. He's like, I don't know this industry. I don't know this business. So now we're working with a Reg A, REIT attorneys and different things. And they're like, well, you need to go talk to these account These, these people specialize in uh, crypto and crypto funds and crypto things. And so we did some detailed calls with them and stuff. But they're like, but we're not really the lawyers where the accountants were taxation behind this. 
you need to go talk. These lawyers are the ones who specialize, have opened hundreds of crypto funds, and they were our original Reg Dia lawyers. And I had known that he had kind of dabbled, in my memory, he had kind of dabbled in crypto back then, seven years ago, but I don't know, how many did he say he had opened? 200 crypto funds he had, he's opened up um, as, as a lawyer. And, and, and his biggest thing, he's helping us with banking um, and all of those processes because of that experience and background. So um, as we get deeper you know, down that, that road, we'll, we'll help, we can help you with that for yourself personally too, of which banks and those kind of things to deal with. So That's my question. Do, yeah. I need the, do I need that LLC to do this? With us? No. Yeah, no. No, no. Yeah, but if you want to use it, great. You know, it always, it's always, I'm sure I mean, there's, tax benefits there's, there's always to benefits it. of having, having an entity. I'm sure and there's tax benefits That's a great it, segue <laughs> um, and to giving Ra Andres a big round of applause. Yeah. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you much. Appreciate Thank you, you for listening to the Rad Podcast, an exploration of wealth. For more information, please visit our website, www.raddiversified.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. Thank you.